Sometimes the world knocks us flat, so we pretend that everything is fine, even though it's not. Hello and welcome to the God Story Podcast. I'm Brent Siddle, and our very special guest on the show this time is Katie Schnack, who has a new book out from IVP America called Everything is Not Fine, Finding Strength When Life Gets Annoyingly Difficult. Katie is a writer and book publicist. She's the author of a number of books, and her articles have appeared in such places as RelevantToday.com, Hello Giggles, Romper, and Scary Mummy. Sounds fascinating. And I quote, She grew up in Minnesota playing Duck, Duck, Grey Duck, and we'll ask her what that is for New Zealand listeners in a minute, learned to say, Bless Your Heart, in Texas, lived in a 400-square-foot apartment in New York, okay, Jersey City, actually, but it was close enough to Manhattan, and has a love-hate relationship with Cheetos, but is also oddly obsessed with spinach smoothies. My co-host should be here, Rito. He loves spinach smoothies. Uh, Katie and her family now live in West Palm Beach, Florida, on an acre of land with five chickens, three goats, and a senior mini pony, and some, and somehow between with with all that going on, she finds time to write books and articles. Katie, hi, welcome from the states. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Now this book is full of joy, but it's it's hard earned joy, isn't it? How has life thrown you a curveball, uh, particularly in regard to your son? Yeah, so a lot of the book, Everything is Not Fine, deals with our medical journey with our son, but it also expands a lot beyond that to just kind of anyone that's facing long-term challenges. Um, But uh, when our son was born, it was found that he had a heart defect. And then when he was about six months old, we realized that um, he was really crooked. So from there, we kind of realized that he had a spinal defect, spinal cord, kidneys, and um, I think that's it. Yeah, that's all of them, mostly. So what he was diagnosed with was a rare disease called bacterial association. Um, it's very rare. I've only ever, only ever met one other child with it in real life than a couple online. Um, but yeah, so basically, we've just kind of for the last few years have been navigating surgeries and appointments and all of that. And all of that really kind of came to a head during the pandemic as well. So really just kind of figuring out like when you're walking through a long-term hardship, whether that be a child with an illness or a disability, um, or you're walking through a pandemic or just kind of navigating parenting young children themselves. Um, everything is not fine. Just kind of talks about that, about um, long-term hardships and how we can kind of fight for joy and keep our faith in the middle of them. Yes. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of joy in the book and a lot of fun. Uh, how have you learned to trust God through all this? Um, I mean, it's ever evolving, right? Like some days you feel like you are, yes, Lord, yes, and amen, whatever you'll bring. But other days, it's it's not that easy, right? Like, I know that like, at my heart and my core that I like the Lord has brought me through everything. Um, But there have been times too, where I'm like, really, like, we've already gone through this, or like, why are we doing this again? And it's definitely been something that that challenges your faith. And I think that it's okay to have those moments. Um, I think that as long as you're like continuing to like dig into scripture and just be honest with your prayers, you know, it's okay to kind of have those questions, but it's definitely kind of looking back, seeing some of the more challenging things God has brought us through. Um, It gives me more hope for the future. Like, okay, well, we've been through that, whatever we're going to be through next. um, I know that he'll carry us through that as well. So it's evolving. It's not perfect. 
Um, I wish that, you know, sometimes when you see people who go through hard things, they stand, it seems like they've got everything put together and they're on a mountaintop saying, I got this, look how strong we are. But that hasn't been my experience. It's been more like, look how strong God is because he's carrying me, carrying me through. And that's about it. So Yeah, yeah. How important is it to be open and honest and prayerful as we walk through the difficult things? I mean, people come and ask you, how are you? And you really feel like saying, I feel awful. But instead we say, I feel fine, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the different places that I've lived, I've noticed like different states and cultures are more prone to like keeping things in or being honest. Like, and I know this is New Zealand, but in Texas, for example, everyone is always very much like, everything's fine. Like, yeah. you know, it's the same together. here. Yeah. 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 And then other places like New Jersey um, or New York City, like, how's it going? You ask someone and they'll rattle off for 20 minutes about, you know, this, that and whatever. And I just feel like for me, um, I have found so much more peace and solace with people who are open about what they're going through. Because then I feel like, oh, okay, like, this is just the human existence, right? Like, this, this isn't me failing. This isn't me failing at my faith. This is just kind of how life goes sometimes. So for me, like I always, that's why I share my story. And that's why I talk so honestly about it. Because I just want, if it can help one other person, that matters to me. So I'm I'm always just an open book with, with what we're going through. Mm. Uh, you write, it might not be okay, but you can get used to it. And I like that. How do we get used to difficult things, do you think? I know. Well, for me, forcefully. <laughs> forcefully. Yeah, for all of us. <laughs> I have to give credit. There, there was a woman that I connected with online whose son has the same condition as my son. Um, and she posted that one day and it just stuck with me because I think parenting a child who is sick or who has, you know, to face a lot of really big hardships, you want to get stronger, right? You want to be stronger for them. But I think the nature of being a parent, like your heart never stops hurting for them when they're suffering. It's just, it's kind of like, nature's way of protecting her young like I have chickens and when she's sitting on an egg and I try to grab the egg she'll bite bite me to death because she's trying to protect her young and so I don't think that as parents it ever will get easier right but we can get used to it and um, what that has looked like for our family is just like when we're going through a difficult time getting into our rhythms right we know like we know that if we have a really hard day the next day we just need to kind of chill and be sad and order pizza and do nothing so you kind of get you get used to it in a way where you just can kind of go through it a little bit easier but i think it's important to realize as parents that sometimes it it's going to still hurt right but you can by the grace of god stand up a little bit stronger to face it a little bit better for your child yeah for sure and and in the middle of all this you were following your dreams of being a writer uh now how how can we curve out time for our dreams even in the current global crisis, a lot of people are putting their dreams on hold. But you write about f following your dreams even during COVID. Yeah. So I wanted to also share about that because that's also like another like long term thing, right? Like sometimes people like they've been striving for or like working towards a goal for for a long time. And like, how do we kind of continue when we don't really know if it's ever going to come true? For me, like I've always wanted to write books. Like I love reading. I love just like the way that books have positively affected my life, I want to do that for other people. Um, so I've always wanted to be an author. And I finally got my first book contract and I signed it in March of 2020, which is bananas. So everything I thought that uh, my writing journey would look like, you know, just relaxing mornings with my kids at school, writing my book, it was flipped upside down as we're working from home and kids were from home and everything. But what surprised me about that was that it wasn't that 
writing this book became like an extra burden to my plate that was suddenly very full, but it actually became the thing that made me the happiest every day. And okay. yes, I wasn't like writing, you know, like with like French music playing in a candle, like in a peaceful setting. And it was more like toddlers interrupting every 10 minutes, but it still filled me up because it's what I feel called to do and what I felt passionate about. So what that showed me was that no matter what we're facing in life, I think we need to let go of the expectations that it's all going to be kind of laid out easily on a platter. You got to kind of like pull and pick at little pieces and chunks of time wherever you can fit it in. Um, and I try to remind myself that now because even not in a pandemic, life is always busy and there's always an excuse, right? To say, oh, I don't have time. I can't do that. I need to be working on something else. But you can. And you just got to kind of make the time a little bit, um, even if it's in little tiny chunks. Um, and you might be surprised that it gives you more energy anyway like it doesn't drain you but it fills you up mm. uh, how important is it to have an accountability buddy you write about an accountability buddy i like the accountability buddy i can barely say that it's too early in the morning but you know what i, I mean <laughs> yeah that was another thing too like i don't think we're made to live in isolation and a lot of times like when you're pursuing a dream you are doing that very in a very isolated way whether that be starting a company or um, writing a book or whatever that looks like for you. So for me, I had another friend who was really interested in writing a book. She was a stay-at-home mom of three. I was working um, from home with my kids with, and I had two. Um, we didn't have the time to like meet and have like a cool meeting at a coffee shop downtown, you know, like we would have a decade prior. So what we did is we said every day at Wednesday, we're gonna sit down, we're gonna text each other and we're gonna commit to working on our goals and our dreams and our books for an hour. And we could do that. Um, and when we did that, we saw so much more progress was made. Um, and having that person that you can kind of bounce off and keep you accountable, it just, it made a big difference for me. So I would just encourage anybody who's kind of working towards something that, you know, is big and lofty and wild, find that person that you can kind of commit to with and, you know, see how far it takes you. What kept you going through COVID? You know what? We were in Florida. Okay. Even though during lockdown, our house was bigger, like we felt even more confined than when we lived in this tiny apartment. Right. So like, and why I wanted to write about that part was because like, I think that sometimes in life when you can't physically change your circumstance or where you're at, you still need to kind of fight for, for ways to find that joy or to find that happiness. Um, so even though we were locked down, we had our little tiny backyard and that's pretty much all, you know, everybody went through it, right? We didn't have, we couldn't go to the beach. We couldn't go anywhere. We normally went with our kids. We really had to make an effort to still enjoy life during that time. So yeah, I was, I made the joke. I was like, I would have wished for that 400 square foot apartment now, even if I could go outside, but I could barely even go outside. So yeah, but I think even in that, we we found ways to kind of make it sweet and make it fun for our family. So. You did. What sort of things did you do? Oh, well, it wasn't a lot, right? <laughs> we No. Um, so there's one part that I talked about because during that time, um, parenting two small children in the pan during the pandemic, kind of being really confined to the house where the only thing like even our it's it's so wild to think back now on some of these things that we experienced as COVID. And this is why I wanted to kind of write about it too, because like we moved on and, you know, but like that was crazy. Like I remember like our neighborhood playground was roped off with like caution tape. And to think that like I couldn't take my child to a playground, like that was a that was our reality, right? So we had, we all, everybody in the world really had to pivot and adjust. And we did not know when it was going to end, right? 
Um, so a couple of things that my husband and I did is we like, we didn't have options to go out to dinner. We didn't have options for babysitters to come in or anything like that. So one thing we would do is plan a date night at our kitchen table. And what we would do is we would grab a house plant and we would set it up in the middle of our table and try to just like block the rest of our house, right? The dirty dishes, everything. And after the kids went to bed, we sat there with that house plant and our little dinner that we put together and we just had a date. So, and it was a lot, it meant a lot at that time because sometimes in life you can only work with what you have and that's all we had. And that was a really big lesson. Like even when things in life are taken away from you or scaled back, you can still, you can still find a way, right. To kind of make it work, um, have a little bit of fun along the way, even if it's less than ideal. Yeah, I love that part of the book. Joy vampires, you would have described yourself as a joy vampire. Is that right? It's the phrase you use. What do you mean by that? I did say joy vampire, yes. So basically what I wanted to tell readers is it's kind of the same thing. It's like whatever you're walking through, whether that be, you know, parenting a child with a long-term illness or disability, um, walking through a pandemic, just kind of like work, marriage, all of the things, like there is ways to kind of suck joy out of life um, in the little pieces that we can. I don't believe in the term choose happiness. I always like to say that because I feel like if we could all choose happiness, then we would just wake up every day and be like, I choose happiness today and then feel happy. It just doesn't work that way. It's not that simple, right? Um, but I do feel like you can be a joy vampire, which I, I kind of coined it, like, and just like suck joy out from little places as best as possible. Even if that's like, treating yourself to like the best coffee possible in the morning that you can muster up or like blaring your favorite music or like dancing after the kids go to the bed in the kitchen. Um, there's little pockets um, and places for joy that are available to you even when even when it's hard to find them. Yeah. And how important is it um, for us to process bad feelings? Because you write about several ways you process bad feelings in the book, don't you? Yes. Yeah. That was a lesson that I learned early on too, when we kind of like were getting my son's diagnosis and I was really realizing like, whoa, this is our life now. Like doctor after doctor after doctor, surgery, surgery, like it was a lot. And so often in life when I was facing things that were less, you know, that were just more normal bumps in the road with life, I would be quick to be like, oh, you know, it's fine. Like, you know, like, oh, they probably didn't mean to say that. Like, it's okay. Like whatever. But there was a point where I realized that like by me saying like, it's fine, it's fine. Like it was harming me. Like I was not able to physically like process my emotions and get them out. And it was only like to my detriment. So there's a time where I started saying like, it's not fine. It's not fine in this moment. Like I'm not okay. I know that I can get there, but it's, I just feel like if you own those feelings um, and you create space for them, you can move past them quicker if you just shove them away. Um, so for me, it was just kind of, facing up to those big feelings and living, giving myself self space to grieve, it ended up being way more healing than just pretending everything was fine would ever be. Yes. And can I ask you about the boxing? Was it the boxing? You like hitting things, you said. I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> no, so me and my friend, um, we started joining a boxing gym. And it was actually during that time when we received my son's diagnosis. But I was at the boxing gym and we would just, there'd be parts where they're just like, okay, go crazy and punch the boxing bag thing, whatever. And I was surprised at myself. I was like, I keep thinking of the same people that I don't like on my day to day. I'm not thinking about them. But when I'm sitting there like punching, I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about her. And I was like, that 
that might be a sign that something is not settled with what that happened. And for me, um, the main thing was it was just a medical assistant that we had encountered early in my son's journey who was just super flippant about our emotions and gave us inaccurate information. And that caused me as a mom to literally think for several months, like, I don't know if my son's ever going to walk when he was a baby. Like, that's what it was. Um, just because she just decided to throw something out there and, you know, and before it was a whole thing. So anyway, I was punching the bag and I was thinking about this random medical assistant. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, I don't want to hold on to this anymore. Like, that's not helping anything. So I wrote her a little letter and I call it the anti-love letter. And I think sometimes it's okay to just, I mean, obviously it wasn't rude or like scathing or anything like that, but it was honest. I was like, you did this, this hurt my family and I don't want you to do this to anybody else. And I wrote it and honestly, I felt so much better after that. And then I was like, my brain and my heart, when I was punching, I could be thinking about like normal, normal things you should be mad about, right? Not some random lady that said something to you months ago. No. Yes, I like the idea of writing an anti-love letter. I think I've I think I've only written an, one anti-love letter in my life. Really, it was a pretty mild one, but I think it's it's good, and it gets it all out, doesn't it? Absolutely. How did the pandemic force us to become more resilient? Do you think? Well, like you said earlier, like how do you become stronger? And I was like, well, for me, it's kicking and screaming along the way, but. I think that sometimes in life we face things that we are unable to change, right? And that for me, like always my son's diagnosis was the pandemic, you know, all of those things where it's like, you don't have an option to change this. So what, what do you do with that? You've got two, two options from there. You can lie down and just hide for the rest of your life, or you stand and you face it and you kind of work through it and get stronger and stronger as best you can. Um, and I think the pandemic was kind of like that lesson for all of us um, and just being forced to adapt, forced to kind of like change, change our thoughts, change our lives, you know, and I know for some like that caused a lot of mental health issues and things like that. But I think that also like it did teach us like we can grow stronger in the face of adversity when there is no light at the end of the tunnel, right? Because we did not know when that was going to be over with. So yeah, I think that Sometimes when you're forced to face something that you never chose for yourself, you never would choose for anybody, you can be surprised at how strong you can become facing that. Um, and you can look back and be like, I did, I did get stronger and become more resilient through that. Mm. I was going to ask you how you've learned to deal with your son's surgeries and all the medical problems and all the difficulties that you've, you've had to face. Yeah, I mean, there's no like perfect way, right? Like it's not like, oh, we've got this all wrapped up in a bag. Um, feelings still come up and they're still really hard for a lot of reasons. But what I have seen that has been helpful for me as we have approached surgeries is just, just kind of simplifying your life and just asking for so much prayer from other people. I really feel that the Lord's peace that surpasses understanding, that's one of my favorite verses, um, can come and get you up and get you through the day. I literally just prayed that today. I was like, Lord, just get me through the day today because it's kind of a doozy, but... So I think just like really, really just simplifying your prayers and your faith and just reaching out to community has been the biggest thing for me. Yeah. And then just like also, like I said before, giving our um, giving ourselves space to grieve and just realizing that like this is super hard. We do not want to do this. We can do this. The Lord will see us through and then take a minute afterward to just like process um, because otherwise, you know, 
you're just gonna be punching a punching bag and thinking about all the things so yeah. final question or well, second to final question i think uh, Casey, why is it okay then to say everything is not fine why is it okay i think it's okay because i think again like trying to just paint a picture that everything is fine when it's not, is not going to help anybody. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help your child. It's not. For me, coming to terms that like with my son's diagnosis and all the challenges that brought, it's not fine. No child should have to suffer. Like that's not, that's not God's design for this world. Right. So like, it's not okay, but what do we do from there? Right. Like how do we rely on our faith how do we like cling to the lord to get us through in his grace i don't know like i think just pretending like oh we're strong enough we got this like that doesn't really leave room for the lord to come in and kind of get us through so some things some things are not fine and mm -hmm. i think admitting that you know is it's the next step towards getting yourself in a spot where you can kind of stand up a bit stronger mm. and before we go I must ask you about the duck, duck, grey duck game because we, we don't have that in New Zealand. Tell us, what is that? I bet there is that game, but it's just some... It's a different... different yeah. It's a different name. So basically, duck, duck, grey duck. And I know my publisher, like we had a whole thing about it and he loved it. But you sit in a circle and one child walks around and they tap everyone on the head and they say duck, duck, duck. But then if they say grey duck and they tap that person and they stand up and they chase you around the circle and then they have to sit down before getting tagged. Does that sound familiar in New Zealand? Uh, not when I was not not when I was a boy, but that was a long time ago, Casey. I mean, that may we may have have it by now. It's not one I'm familiar with, but um, just a classic American childhood game. You know, that's just what all the kids. I my kids still do it too. So sounds yeah. great fun. There we are. <laughs> Thank you so much, Katie Schnack. Uh, the new book from IVP America is called Everything is Not Fine, Finding Strength When Life Gets Annoyingly Difficult. Katie, thank you so much. And thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and who take care of things behind the scenes. Katie, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story Podcast supporter you'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com slash godstorypodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.